told by ProBears News, Crow is South Africa's oldest wildlife rehabilitation center. It has been rehabilitating and releasing wild animals for 43 years, but is now in danger of closing down. And we have the director of Crow, Clint Halkett-Siddle, in the studio to discuss that. Hi, Clint. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm well, thank you. Yourself? Well, can we start, first of all, with the history of this place? You've been around for a long time. Yes, we have. We actually started in 1977 by Zelda Mallet, um, but we moved on to our current facility in Yellowwood Park in 1980. So um, with all our permits and everything acquired, we officially started in 1980. So 43 years this August, actually. So what exactly do you do for people who might not be familiar with Crow? So Crow is dedicated to the rescue, rehabilitation, and release of all wildlife within KwaZulu-Natal. Um, we generally rescue between three and 4,000 animals every year, um, and we, we have between 300 and 400 animals on our property at any given time. We, we're now heading into our baby season, which is the very busy season. Um, so the last check we did, we had 355 animals on property, but that's sure to increase over the coming months. I've seen on your website anything from a falcon to a crow to a... I mean, the animal range is incredible. Yes, and so we do have permits for every single species of wildlife in KwaZulu-Natal. Lizards, reptiles, uh, your antelope, game species, birds of prey, garden variety birds, uh, even down to the very small shoes. Um, and then we also have our Marines Tops permits, which is your threatened and protected species, as well as our permits for the terrestrial threatened and protected species. So do, do people know about you and when they find an injured animal or bird, do they come to you in KwaZulu-Natal? Yes, definitely. Um, a lot of people do know about us. It's, it is quite scary, though, being going for 43 years, and there's also a lot of people that don't know about us, so it's all about awareness. But I think as soon as anybody puts it on a chat group, somebody will know about us You know, on WhatsApp or, or on the internet. They can Google us, and we do show up at the top of the, the Google list when wildlife rehabilitation is put in. So um, people find us in many different ways, and we also do welcome people's drop-off animals if they are uh, not a dangerous species, for example, a baby bird or something, just to help us with, you know, fuel costs, things like that, because it is quite an intensive, expensive operation to run. So how many people are at Crow? How big is it? So Crow itself um, is now at about 19 staff members, two of which are full-time volunteers. Um, but we did go from 21 staff members down to 16 during COVID, just to try save on some funds. And I, I took on a lot of the, the extra tasks myself um, and spread them amongst our team. We do also have a lot of local volunteers and international volunteers. So it does take more than the, the current staff team to run the, the operation. But we're very blessed to have our, our volunteers who assist us one day a week or sometimes two or three days a week as well. So what has the effect been on of COVID, the floods, with the cost of living crisis all over the world on Crow? So everything's got up, obviously, with the inflation currently with fuel food prices for our feed for our animals and amongst other things. But the international volunteer program that generates about 50% of our, our overheads basically went from 80% bookings down to 0% overnight. And that lasted for about two years. So for two years, we were losing out on, on uh, about 150, 180,000 rands worth of income each month. So has that gone up again? Or are you getting these international volunteers again? Yes, we have been blessed since COVID regulations phased out of it. We did start getting a lot of international volunteers coming through. I, th I call it the uh, post-COVID boom, I think, with tourism. I think everybody was locked inside for so long and they wanted to get out. So this last June, July, August, being the European and American holidays, we were actually fully booked, which was fantastic. 
that is slowing down a little bit now going out of the, the holiday season, but we have got bookings, one or two people up to three people all the way through to June next year. So so things are definitely looking up on our volunteer program site. With all the, the loss of income over the past number of years um, and, and people's pockets being tighter nowadays with the economy as it is, our supporters obviously don't have as much spare change to donate towards us as they had in the past. So we were facing a situation where we were basically down to about 10 months worth of operational costs left to be able to, to keep our doors open. Sure. So what are you going to do? Do you have any plans? Or would you like to appeal to people to start helping? Yes, definitely. We, we did launch a backer buddy campaign that's doing quite well. You can go on there to support us as well as our website. We have been extremely blessed since our appeal did go out. And we received a lot of support from members of the public, whether it be that they are starting their own fundraising campaigns for us and as corporates. Uh, we have had some charities and some trusts reach out to us, but the support has been overwhelming. Uh, we know we're out of the water yet. We still have quite a way to go, but I must say we have been very blessed. Um, and if anybody is in the position that they can support, it would be highly appreciated. You can go onto our website, which is www.prokzn.co.za. You can give us a call. Our details are on there as well if you'd prefer to get our banking details. Otherwise, we do have the Backer Buddy crowdfunding campaign, and then we also have a PayPal account that deposits can be made into for donations. What generally is the attitude of South Africans towards the preservation of wildlife? Has there been an attitude change through the years, or do you still find there's a certain part of the population that think that's important, and another part might think it's food? I think you, you're definitely right with what you were saying at the end there. But that's where education is the key to conservation and PRO is very active in education. In the past 14 years since we revamped our wildlife education program termed Wildlife Warriors, uh, we've actually reached over 160,000 burners. And strangely enough, last year for the first time in the past 10 years, the number of admissions actually dropped to uh, to just below 3,000 animals that came through our doors. So um, there could be other facts involved there, but I'd love to say that it's down to education and the perception change in our country. So what does the education process involve? So we cover a number of different aspects. Um, we we cover our basic wildlife rehabilitation, what to do if you come across a wild animal that needs help. We also have a wetland program and a sustainability program that teaches the importance of wetland sustainability. Uh, we've got an aquaponics system that we teach children and members of the public how to set up their own aquaponics systems at home. Uh, part of our vegetable garden, organic vegetable garden. Uh, we've also got our solar power and, and water. Uh, we've got a reptile awareness program. We also reach out to corporates and we talk about urbanization and animal-human conflict. Uh, and then we also have a reptiles in the workplace presentation that we do. Um, and just basic talks to anybody that is interested, like our local conservancies. Well, for anybody who might, you know, we can go and look at the videos on your website. But can you give us one or two of the interesting cases that you've rehabilitated? Yes, definitely. So reptiles are my favorite animals, so I always bring a reptile into the conversation. And we did have a crocodile released last year, 1.2 meter crocodile in Tonga that was on a farm, um, and it was basically going to be destroyed. But we went out, rescued it, and that was released in Tula Tula. We currently also have a baby crocodile that hatched out of an egg that the eggs were confiscated from a member of public illegally harvested them. So we're raising that at the moment. Um, we've got a beautiful baby blessed buck that just came in. He was rescued from poachers that were going to use him for the rooty trade. Um, and he's doing extremely well. And then we've also got some genus that are about to be released. We've got a group of dusties that are about to be released. Our vervet monkeys will be going out to Pongola in the next month once the good rains have come, and we're releasing them on a 40,000 hectare reserve. That's a five-year rehabilitation program with the vervet monkeys. So there's plenty going on and, and many, many success stories. I think 
every time an animal is released back into the wild, it just, you know, brings up emotions and it's just such a good feeling. Are there animals that you can't release? So animals, we, we are not a sanctuary at all. So any animals that can't be released, especially if they're, they're threatened or protected species, uh, we do send those to specialized breeding programs uh, for the threatened and protected species. But our philosophy is the best cage is an empty cage. So if an animal is going to spend the rest of its life in a cage, then usually the decision will be made that it will be more humane to, to utilize that animal. So what are the protected species you're talking about? That be a rhino as well or not? Yes, 100%. A southern ground hornbill, a reed buck, which is part of that, that group. Um, so any animals that are threatened or protected in the, in, are in that tops category, we would um, send to a breeding program. John, do you have a message for people in these difficult times, why they should be supporting programs like yours? So I think it's, it's just important, especially in areas where urbanization is taking such a, a large toll on our wildlife and we're losing our bean bolts and we're losing the habitat for these animals and there is more human and animal conflict. Um, it's really important that we are able to rescue these species rehabilitate them and get them back into wildlife areas where they belong, where they will have a secure future and, uh, you know, be able to to keep the, the species going for not just us, but our future generations. Um, and then also the education part of things, which is extremely important, just to make sure that the next generation is more and more uh, conservation conscious. It is quite sad. I think most of our generations now are, are growing up behind the TV and in buildings and they don't really get to see the wildlife and and why it's important to us and then the environment um but every little animal every little thing from a piece of grass to a, you know a grain of sand to an insect they all play such a vital role and they're all interconnected so if we lose for example bees we've got no food food source for our future people just don't understand how important each and every animal is you know in balance to keep our, our world in a place that's that's good for humans as well. You know, we wouldn't survive without, without a lot of these animals if they had to become extinct or we lost all of our green belts. Well, Clint, I'll um, put all the details on the website as well. Clint Halkett-Siddles, thanks so much for speaking to Business. Thank you so much, Linda. Thanks for having us. Mm-hmm.